Hello, mate. Welcome to the RLS podcast. We've got Joel Harris on, um, fellow high-performance coach. He's just done an espresso. He's ready to go. Um, ready to go. Top Welshman, the only Welshman I know, so you have to be the top one. Um, but first of all, mate, how, how are you getting on? How are you doing? Yeah, all good, mate. All doing good. My end is uh, coming up to Christmas now, you know what I mean? It's uh, the, the meals at the socials or whatever, but... As you know, mate, you've done a couple of posts on it. You've done some stuff. It's all about managing it. So, no, looking forward to it. This is the first time that I've like actually had a business myself during these times. So, it's pretty much just kind of take the rough with the smooth, but most importantly, enjoy uh, a few too many beers, probably eat some good grub and get in the festive cheer, mate. But yeah, things are all good, my end. Quality, mate. That's that's what it's all about. Um, certainly, won't be shy of a couple of beers and. Um, I actually have, I've met you before, this isn't just the first time we're kind of speaking, we've actually sat next to each other in, in Glasgow, um, so I can confirm that you do love a beer, um, that would be fact. Yeah, yeah. Um, the, the stories from that trip, I think, uh, we'll save for another podcast, mate, we'll save for another podcast. Yeah, mate, definitely, um, but I, first of all, always kick a podcast off like this, um, just give us a bit of background into you, what do you do, um, what have you? Just give us a little bit of a story about you, mate. Perfect, mate. So firstly, just thank you for getting me on, mate. I think um, I've been watching your podcast since it started, doing a really good thing. It's just kind of spreading that information in another way. So, mate, it's a pleasure to be on and considered the top Welshman in amongst some stiff competition there. But um, <laughs> for those that don't know me, um, I'm Joel. I'm a strength and conditioning coach that kind of started probably about seven years ago. Um, but throughout the time, I've kind of, honed in and now my main thing is I'm helping people rise above average through kind of setting the platform to just kind of excel in all other areas of life and usually that's done through supercharging their strength and building unstoppable confidence so it's um, one of those things that I just like taking people from where they are now to above average and a little bit about myself um, I start off back in the, the early days um, I started rugby when I was a little little nipper, um, 12 years of age. So what's that, 11 years ago now. And that was the first probably dabble in sport that I've ever had. I had pretty sheltered childhood in terms of sport. And yeah, for me, that was kind of the catalyst for, for all things change. Um, Realising that there's more to life than just sitting there and not doing a lot. And I think things kind of progressed there. And managed to take the rugby to junior international level. So played for the Wales in the 20s. Um, and now I'm currently playing semi-professional rugby. But throughout that time, it was uh, the gym that was my big burning passion. Uh, started after a little bit of a breakup when I was 14. Revenge board and got that, that summer looks. But then, as we know, there's more to kind of the training side of things. So progressed on from there. And now we are to where we are today, coaching it making it my job and helping people do the same transformation that I have. Quality, mate, quality. And um, obviously for anyone that doesn't or hasn't seen any of your content on on Instagram, um, obviously Joel Harris, um, it's the Strength Solutions, the programme that you run, isn't it? Um, so I don't think you'll see many, yeah, many, solution. many of a kind of a group of individuals that are putting up numbers like like Joel, Joel's clients are. Um, there's some serious tin getting chucked about down in Wales. Um but yeah, mate, I think definitely from kind of my background and the majority of coaches, I think we find that we get into this job for one reason or another, and it tends to be down to a struggle, uh, a painful kind of upbringing, or it can be down to just being, perhaps for myself anyway, it was being 
um, overweight when I was younger. So mate, what, what would you say that got you into this job? What gave you the passion to want to do this in the first place? So, yeah, same same line of like thinking as you. So um, I was like 14 and I was just getting nowhere. Um, I was like playing a good level of rugby because I had a good athletic base. I was always doing all right in school because I've always been all right at it. But, you know, I didn't really have no drive, no energy, no confidence. I was just this, like, you'll see the photos if you've ever gone on my Instagram. I used to just be like, probably, I think I was sitting about 120 kilos at the age of 15. Um, right. And it was just one of those things that I, I don't know what started it. But as soon as it did start, it was kind of that that curiosity and the passion just came in and things excelled from there. And I realized that strength training is a hobby and a, and a passion that can promise progression every time you get into it. So if you're there and you're going to turn up four days a week, train hard, eat relatively well, you're going to be 365 days from now in the best position possible that you could be. And that's always going to be the same scenario because you're always striving to be that little bit better and, that was it for me. I think it realized that there was probably an untapped potential of where I was at. And if I was doing relatively okay with no work, no sacrifice and just, you know, bumming about, then what could happen and what could be if you did actually just put a little bit of graft into it, because hard work is ultimately what's going to get us anyway. Cool, mate. Good. Um, uh, perhaps this is a slight um, a tangent, but do you think that you always had a, a good, genetic base um in terms of strength did you kind of take off with that pretty quickly or was that something that you've had to totally grind that over the years um so i'd be lying if i said i wasn't genetically in a better position than some people because there are some people that get to you know where i am at now and training history all the things align and they're still not going to be as strong as me so i am in a relatively good position but i think throughout the ages like 14 to 17 was where I kind of really started to dial it in and that passion of just kind of how to get better. So I had um, a little gym in the house, um, trained down there this morning, it's the little playpen, and I'd have like five, six, seven people coming down there <clears throat> and it would be my responsibility to make those better. And I think that's where the, the passion for coaching started was seeing how yeah. they progressed and then it made me better and I wanted to work harder so, yeah, I was probably in a good position to start off with. But as with anything, hard work beats talent if it doesn't work hard. So it's kind of getting the best of both worlds and making sure that you're not just kind of resting on your laurels. You're, you're putting out there to get better. Yeah, 100%, mate. Um, and has strength training always been kind of what you've based your goals around? Or has there been a time where you were more aesthetically focused? Um, and again, I know they kind of they come together as well. Um, I think if you're obviously training solely for aesthetics, you can almost sometimes sacrifice strength. But if you're training for strength, the aesthetics can sometimes plod along behind and, and catch up. I don't know what your thoughts on that yeah. are. Yeah, is the two are kind of intertwined. You're going to lift weights. You're probably going to eat well and something's going to happen to your body. So you are going to get the, the best of both worlds. But your body's an instrument or an ornament. That's one of the things that I like to look at it as. So it's all well and good being able to look good, but how do we perform? And that's always been at the, the forefront of my mind with kind of the rugby side of things anyway. But 
I first started getting in because I was 120 kilos and I was a melted welly, mate. You look up, I take my top off and it would just droop. And I was like, this ain't what it's about. So went through like a little bit of a weight loss journey. I think I dropped from 120 to about 86 kilos, no oh. sustainability, no nothing. It was literally, you know, like you see the typical chicken and rice four times a day. And then it was like, I eat the same things and it got me the result, but it also kind of pushed me back the other end then where I did bounce back out of that. Mm. And then I got back up to 115 kilos. So it was, that's when the, the switch focused. I was like, when I, once I'd done the diet and I was like, right, it's all about getting strong now. And I think after that initial eight month diet, it was purely about strength. And then that's why the, the, the weight on the scale kept creeping up and up and up. And I was like, Oh God. Yeah. yeah. And then he's trying to find that happy medium b- between how you look and how you perform. Yeah. I think that's something like all coaches have in common. Like we've, I mean, we've either got in shape at one point and done something that's probably not sustainable when it's probably a little bit stupid. We've tried stupid shit over the years. Um, I certainly know that when I kind of first went through my first proper weight loss thing, it probably took me honestly about three to four years just because I was so ill-informed. I was probably reading my advice off of like men's health and stuff like that. Um, And yeah, honestly did some stupid shit, but I think, looking back that's probably why i'm sitting here today and um, doing this podcast is because i did all that stupid shit in the past but then again it's our job to make sure that people don't have to do that stupid shit now they kind of can do it well informed yeah and is is that thing of if you walk the walk you kind of know what's good what's bad and you can kind of use that you know research base but also that practical evidence base where you've just kind of thrown yourself into it and i got a question for you what's the stupidest yeah. shit you've ever done then stupidest shit i've ever done there's been several different things um but i think it has to be i don't know if you ever heard of this thing it was probably marketed on like reality shows and stuff like that booty as in like the green tea shit um chugging away at that like one in the morning one at night it's caffeinated as fuck and I'm, I'm having it at like seven eight at night and i'm like right this is gonna what was the what was the kind of phrase that they would put on it, it was like burn body fat as you sleep or something like that it's no wonder it's you're fucking burning something because you can't sleep like you're up for the next three yeah. hours that that was up there with the stupidest shit. Yeah. Oh, mate, yeah there's some stupid shit out there i think that the weirdest one for me was like an eight hour arm workout so obviously the <laughs> the late diana yeah i I done it and uh yeah eight hours of my life i will never get back and probably about elbow tendonitis i'll never get rid of but yeah there's some stupid shit out there for people that didn't know <laughs> Yeah, Christ, I actually haven't heard of that before, but that sounds mental. Um, In a a row, yeah. Just straight Yeah, so it it had four workouts in it that you perform every two hours. After the two hours, you drink a protein shake and a carb shake to go into the next workout. And, oh, mate. (laughs) (laughs) I am sorry for anyone listening to this. Please just go have a look at it, right? Watch and... uh, he raves about it. It'll add an inch to your arms overnight. That's what he said. And it's literally because you just fucking inflamed and sore. Mate, that would, as you said, elbows would be in absolute agony. Forearms would be fucking done. Um, yeah. But no, mate, again, we've kind of touched on the type of training you do. You do strength training. Um, so let's kind of move on to focusing on rugby. And again, I think this is really beneficial, definitely for a lot of the kind of people that listen to this podcast and certainly my kind of group of clients, um, a lot of them play sport. There's a, there's a good few that play rugby. There's a few that play rugby at a very good level as well. Um, but how have you kind of been able to shape your training 
um, obviously your strength training. How have you been able to shape your training to benefit your performance with rugby? Okay, so I'm probably still not there yet in terms of my own training, getting that balance, because I think we all favour one thing. And for me, it is getting strong. And it gets to a certain point where strength, yes, is going to set the foundation, but excess strength is probably going to be at the detriment to all the other athletic capabilities that you've got. And when you're in a sport like rugby, hockey, football, you've got multiple things you need to manage. Um, so I think managing it all at once is just picking and prioritising what you need to do and when and it's just making sure that it's an awkward one because you've got all chunks of the pie all met and I think the biggest thing is that in schools and stuff when we're taught about this it's we go run jump lift throw all those kind of basic capacities that we need and then we tend to forget that and just replace it with squats, bench, deadlifts, and all yeah. those combo movements for strength training. So it's about trying to intertwine your general movement stuff. So running, jumping, throwing alongside the weight side of things to really start to boost that performance then. It's, it's a tough one. Like, And as you'll know, coaching it, it's kind of what you need when you need it. But yeah. does that answer the question or did I just completely waffle off, off top? No, no, no. That, that makes a lot of sense, mate. And I think for me in the past, I've certainly found it really, really difficult, like having my kind of like my fingers in too many pies, if you know what I mean. And it's like, I'm trying to, I mean, I've been through different modalities of training, like trying to train for strength, but at the same time, I am training twice a week for football and I'm playing on a Saturday. And I obviously, I have a job, I have a life, I'm not a professional athlete. So we can't essentially periodize my whole life to a T. I'm not a professional. So I, they're not controlling how much I'm doing. So it's finding that balance, like enough stimulus to get stronger and for that to benefit my performance but at the same time not too much that I'm going into training um fatigued or I'm going into my game on a Saturday fatigued even probably talking two years ago like I was smashing RDLs on a, a Thursday as heavy as I could literally going to failure and then by the Saturday I'm like Ugh, just can't quite lift that leg up and um, my hamstring just wasn't quite doing it and I'm I'm kind of repeating this this process over and over again and almost wondering why I can't move on a Saturday, but it's very obvious. Yeah, and like I'm currently dealing with a little hamstring tear at the minute. Um, I was, uh, at the minute, I'm kind of, you know, I was having like 20 minutes a game, so I thought, oh, I'll get away, I'll stretch my Nordics on a Thursday, and then hamstring went, and now I'm kind of paying the price for it. So yeah. it is trying to balance it all, and I think where the knowledge came from was I got thrown into the professional environment. So kind of the, the pro athlete where you just turn up, you've got everything periodized, you've got your food prep for you, you've got kind of post-workout shakes, you've got time between this, you've got a nap break. And I was trying to throw that into my own training. But like you said, now when you're not a pro athlete, and it's probably the biggest credit to semi-pro athletes that do this alongside a full-time job is trying to balance it all because you've got the likes of in the Welsh Premiership, you've got professional players dropping down whose life is rugby. And then you've got semi-professional athletes who have businesses and stuff that have to try and cope with all that periodized training. So the biggest thing for anyone trying to balance it all is just the time allocation to when you can do things and just yeah. getting your ducks in a row there. Yeah, definitely. And I think as, uh, as you kind of talked about with my program, it's like the nine to five athlete. We've got guys that are 
Well, I mean, just let's throw an example out there. I've got one guy who works a nine to four. He has his own business, which he works on after that. He's a semi-professional footballer. He's still trying to maintain a couple of sessions a week in the gym. And we, for example, he's signed up for a marathon next year. It's like, that's a lot to try and maintain over a full week. So it's a case of, right, you're going to have to sacrifice one thing a little bit pull back from one to put more into the other thing. Um, and again, it could even mean just, and it's obviously a hard thing to do, it's cutting the hours at work a little bit, if that's a possibility um, to fit all these things in. It's, it's a fine balance. It's a hard thing to to coach and to plan for someone, but um, that's that's the joys of it. Yeah, but the, the beauty of it is when it all works and it does take that, you know, weeks, months to fine-tune someone's schedule. And like, I really like to start getting into the nitty gritty after the six, seven months of coaching someone, because you know, their schedule to a T, you know, their routine and you can really say, right, we've got an extra 30 minutes here, which we can hammer a little bit of conditioning in. That's only going to add, not take away. And that's, yeah. that's the beauty in it. And that's why, like, I think we both got coaches is because we can't really do that ourselves. Cause we've got that like bias towards what we want to do. And yeah. if we want to do, we try and drop the hammer 24 seven, but there's times, like you said, where we've got to push and pull and make sure that, we're getting what we want when we need it and also just kicking back when we need it as well. So mate, yeah, athletic training is, is something in itself, but it's, uh, it's really rewarding when it's done right. Definitely mate. Definitely. Now this is something that I'm really interested in. And I know you did this at just a while back there. Um, the marathon, first of all, mate, explain what the hell it is um, and explain how it went. <laughs> So the marathon, right, this was um, a weird little challenge that I thought of. I I was bored in lockdown. I think like many people being pulled away from their sport, I needed something to excite me. The drive was kind of diminishing. I was spending more and more hours kind of coaching people and getting people that result. But I realized I was neglecting myself. And I think we can both att- like attribute a lot of our time is always spent managing that. And I was like, right, what's something that's going to actually drive me and get me excited to push on and just get on with my own training. And it was the marathon. So for those that don't know, it's a one ton challenge, which is something that I do quite regularly. So it's like a super total where you do your snatch, you clean your jerk, and then you go into your squat bench and deadlift. And the goal is to total a thousand kilos across the six lifts. So add them all up equal a thousand kilos you've got your ton and then I do that quite a lot and I thought I've always neglected the fitness side of things I've always been someone that's kind of dropped the hammer on the strength and that's where my passion lies but I was like I want to push myself challenge myself outside my comfort zone that I ask everyone to do when they join the strength solution it's like how can we get that little bit more out of you and for me it was running a marathon so yeah it was a, a stupid stupid challenge so it took me about eight hours in total to do it all. So it was a, a manic day, but the first time I did it was the the half marathon. And I'd done that um, with no training, no nothing. And I just thought, you know what, I've done that, let's top it and go full marathon. And that's why I actually started reaching out to our mutual friend, Joe Parrish. And yeah, yeah he, he made it happen, to be honest. It was kind of a smart training program when I need it. Um, and that's the perks of having a coach. It was just literally all mapped out. All I had to do was turn up and just get the work done. Yeah. And how, how did you find kind of adjusting to running after kind of just doing obviously like that intense kind of movement with rugby and your strength training? How did you find that adjustment? 
So I was quite lucky that when I first started it, rugby was on the wayside with uh, the whole lockdown scenario. So I didn't have that to worry about. So it was, I could replace the rugby with the running. So I do Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday um, with rugby, but then my Tuesday was free. So I'd run my Thursday was free. So I'd run my Saturday was free, but four weeks into the prep rugby came back into the mixture. So I was doing high speed work on a Tuesday, which I didn't really need to do. I was doing strength work Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday. I didn't have a game on a Saturday, but we sometimes train and I'd have a long run on a Sunday. And I was like, Oh, this isn't gearing up, but that's where you learn a lot of lessons. And like, if you just kind of give up, it's what's the point. So mustered through, it was a bit of an adjustment The it was just the time being a shit runner. I'm five foot 10, 105 kilos at the time. And I was podding along and my, my long runs on a Sunday would take three and a half hours and I'd get up. <laughs> I'd finish some at 11 o'clock at night because I just put it off so long. But yeah, it was an adjustment. Something that I recommend people try and do is balance the um, strength and endurance side of things. But yeah, it, it is, uh, it is tough. Yeah, that definitely I was, didn't do something quite to the same capacity as you, but it was a similar thing. Whereas training was football training was off, and um, so it was a case of same thing like run on Tuesday, run on Thursday, and then a long run on a Sunday. Um, and obviously, still trying to do all that strength training in between um, with the garage gym. And my body, I was, I was in a deficit at the point as well, um, <laughs> so it was um, pretty challenging, and it told me kind of I learned a lot about how I can recover um and what my body is actually capable of and surprise you surprise yourself as to how much you can actually do um when you really just push it I mean I'm all for kind of making sure your recovery is right but at the same time your body can it can be pushed to its limits at times yeah and and that's why I wanted to do it was kind of just I've always said that everyone that's like kind of sat listening or just in the world can probably demand a little bit more of themselves I know there's some people out there like Jocko Willing, Dave Goggins, who are the extreme side of things where they're probably pushing that to the brink, but you don't need to go that far, but there's always a little bit more that you can do. And I think for me, it was just kind of tapping into that potential and it just carries over into everything else. If you've kind of knocked that one demon off that I was always the fat kid that could never run, knock that off your back and then it's like, oh, what else is possible? And it, it allows you to push on. And I think that's why strength training you know, all this stuff just sets the platform for, for everything that we do. Quality, mate, quality. So something that obviously as an athlete or even as a, a strength athlete um, that we have to deal with on a, on a constant basis is, is failure, especially kind of growing up um, from, again, you talked about the ages of like 13, 14, growing up, dealing with failure. How, how do you deal with failure and how have you dealt with failure over the, over the years? is failure is always going to be part of the course. And I think whatever you do, failure is going to be present, but it's how we cope with failure that determines whether it's going to be a pass or fail. So if we use it as a lesson learned and we use that to influence our decisions going forward, then it's not a true failure. It's just a lesson learned. But if you just give up at the sign of hardship, then what's the point? Uh, and a quote that I heard on the high performance podcast, I know like we're both fans of that was, Failure isn't a full stop, is a comma. And if we yeah. can kind of come on to the next thing, then you're just going to get better at it. And um, yeah, for me, like dealing with injuries, whatever, um, those that don't know, I've kind of had two surgeries in the past three years, tore my pec, tore my ankle ligaments, um, tore my hamstring right now. And it's just something that's part of the course. But if you want something bad enough, it's just 
you know, a little detour on the road to what is the destination that you're going for. So I think failure is always going to be present, but it's how you cope with it that determines the, the pass or fail metric. So what about you, mate? Like with football and kind of doing all that stuff and running a business, how have you managed to, to cope with failure? Yeah, I mean, mate, it's, I've had a few kind of challenging things over the year. I mean, I've, I mean, I'm not going to try and um, dress it up and pretend it's like a massive thing, but I've maybe got a Scotland colleges call up, um, which was big at the time. Um, because again, I've, I've never played like, like at the pro level, um, even through youth, but what I kind of got, I got called up for a Scotland colleges team. Um, we played, we're away to play England uh, down in Glasgow. I got injured in the warm up, and I'm like, shit that's my first cap gone like and I, I was I was I was fucked to be fair and I was going to play through it but I, I realised I had to step back there was another game we were going to actually fly down to Wales um, and play that two months later that game got cancelled um, and then that was that kind of knocked on the head I was moving to university I was out with that kind of out with that blow and I thought like I'm never ever going to get a again it wasn't a massive thing but I'm never going to get a Scotland cap again and that was something that kind of I just lost interest in football for like six months and there was no motivation I was still playing but I just totally dropped down a level um and just wasn't anywhere near it again but I kind of I've had this various times in my life and I know a lot of people will come to a kind of you can either go down this path or you can go down this path and it's either for me it was quite football go and play at like a amateur public standard or I can actually go all in and really go for it and in my head even if other people around me were telling me that there's not a chance you're ever going to go pro, you're not you're not good enough. I was just like I don't even care. Like in the back of my head, I was I was brilliant, um, and I was like, I'm just going to go all in for it. And again, I got to a good level and um, continue to play at a decent level, semi-professional right now. I'm not going to say we're um, we're blowing the world away because we're not. But I think it's just that case of like you can you can almost use that failure or that opportunity. You can use that failure as an opportunity to then move forward. Um, and I mean, there's various times in my life where you could have been at that crossroads. You just got to pick the, pick the direction that moves forward. Yeah, and I think like back on the the like athletic background, I think if you've been in amongst pro sports, you know how ruthless it is, and there's always that you know cutthroat one opportunity. So for you to kind of get injured in the warm up, slip up, and then you're like maybe my dream is there and then the next thing and it's kind of those things on top of each other it can set you that one way or the other but it's the direction you pick and for me it was something similar with i just come out the the wales in the 20s camp played in one of the warm-up games flew out for four of the games didn't play in any of them so came back to my professional club at the time and they were like the only reason why you stayed out there was because you brought everyone up around you you was the you was the like hype man everyone that was there had like arrogant attitudes but because you come from you know where you are now and you just love to work hard it made everyone else work hard and that's that's where you're at and I think that's probably one of the biggest things that made me segue into what I do now is that that purpose but I'm still playing rugby I'm still enjoying it but I've just used that if pro athletes and coaches can see that I bring others around why not just make it a living and you know just take take what I can at the minute so I'm happy playing semi-professional rugby I'm loving loving where I'm at with business so best of both worlds in it Hundred percent, mate. Um, that's kind of similar with me. Maybe I think I had a, a similar thing again. Had an opportunity to perhaps try and get a contract at a, a team local to me, um, a, like a semi-professional team. Didn't get it, and I was like, right, okay, what can I actually do now? And I was like, right, 
you like football, you like training. And it was almost just this thing, right? Maybe you could actually, I actually went into football coaching straight away. And I was like, let's just go and coach football players. Cause you know what you're doing in the gym. Um, you like football. Let's use this as an opportunity to actually use your skills somewhere else. You're not going to be a pro, but you could possibly be at a very high level as a coach. So that's the kind of thing that you've got to, you've got to do. So again, sort of touched on this already, but I have a load of clients that have come in to me um, and they have based their soul. Every single goal is, right, I want to get down to X amount of weight. I want to be, I want to look like this. I want to look like I did five years ago, something like that. How would you kind of go about getting people to move away from that aesthetics-based goal and help them start to focus on performance um, numbers of the gym and kind of articulate that as to how that can actually help aesthetics as well. well so firstly, like, you've just got to, you've literally just got to realise that you look at athletes around the world, there are some out-of-shape athletes, but the majority of people are in shape. So your background football, mate, Cristiano Ronaldo absolutely dice to the gills like and that just goes to show that he's probably regarded hot debate at the minute as one of the best footballers in the world I won't get into that like but I think he's dice to the gills playing elite level football at the highest level so you can see that you can have the best of both worlds but then you look on the other end of the spectrum there's people out there that are in the bodybuilding community like always remember um, a bodybuilder called Branch Warren so like I grew up in that kind of bodybuilding era mate he fell off a curb and tore his hamstring yeah. and that's kind of the, the, the other extreme of it so it's about trying to find somewhere in the middle and the reason why I think so many people get injured and lose that competitive edge is because they don't throw enough running, jumping, throwing into their training. Your sport yeah. is running, jumping, throwing, changing direction. And you wonder why you turn up on a Saturday, Sunday, whatever it may be, picking up niggles, not performing well. And you've just stayed in one pattern, moved up and down in a squat, or you've just been bench pressing. It doesn't just translate but you can always have your broccoli and your ice cream. So you can do your arms, chest, you know, your chest, whatever. it doesn't matter. But if you've got that solid base of run a little bit, jump a little bit, land, throw, change direction, move quick, move slow, move just heavyweights light. It's just the kind of opportunities are endless with it. And what you'll realize is that I think you'll stop basing your self-worth off that number on the scale. Because we've all got caught up in it when we're dieting. We see that scale go up, we have a shit day. We see that scale come down, it's a great day. But if you've got other metrics of, <clears throat> I actually play a lot better on the pitch, I'm better at my sport, I'm maybe being picked for leadership roles in that sport, and then you've got the um, opportunity to kind of progress on there, that's one avenue. You look great. You feel great. You bring an energy to every day. You can go play five a side with your mates. You can lift with your friends. You can jump in a CrossFit workout. And I know when we went up to Glasgow, we all got beasted in that one uh, training session. But yeah. everyone up there held their own. Yeah. All because it is that you don't just need to worry about how you look. There's so many other success metrics to training. Just explore them all. Run, jump, yeah. throw, lift. That's, that's, that's the athlete mentality. I know it can be so kind of exhausting constantly thinking about this, thinking about the scale and jumping on that every single day and basing every single ounce of your progress on that. And that's certainly something that I'm, I make sure that my clients kind of step away from. And it's just so kind of, 
it just frees you up to enjoy making progress more when you can take away from that and you can just think about just think about other things think about how how you can enjoy food and not think about right i'm gonna to have to step on the scale tomorrow this this meal is going to put me up a couple of pounds like that is just exhausting and i used to find that was something that just affected me so much um again i was one i was someone that went on the scales like every every saturday morning and that was it i was going to weigh myself every saturday morning and it was almost like a countdown and i was almost like right what's it going to be what's it going to be what's it going to be and if it wasn't what i wanted to see it was um it was just as you said it was a shit day um, yeah. and we have to step away from that i think yeah i think it's got his place and it's got his value and there's some people that say like you shouldn't worry about the skills whatsoever i get my clients to weigh routinely just to make sure we're keeping in those habits but it's a case of knowing when to distinguish the the value from that result and knowing when it's just fairy dust uh because yeah. i had someone come in mate he stepped on a scale and it was just he was six pound up and he was like oh my god i'm six pound up and i was like mate you have not put six pound on overnight you've been doing everything right yeah it was just and and then the next day he was down two pound from when he originally weighed so he's like down eight pound and he's like what's going on i was like mate that's just the body just get used to it like understand his ebbs and flows with everything. And if you're going in the right direction and you've got various success metrics, then you're going to have a good time. If you just think, oh, you know what, this one sole number is my entity, then you're just going yeah. to have a shit day. Yeah, definitely agree, mate. Definitely agree. Um, so another one kind of off the bat, what kind of advice have you been given to your clients for, for December, um, for Christmas, uh, based on kind of just, maintaining moving forward what would you what would you say on that so the the biggest thing that i've kind of taken away um from some of the trainings that we've had that i've impacted my clients with is just align your expectations don't feel like you need to go and set the world on fire like it's christmas i'm going to be like i said at the start having a couple of beers um enjoying some good food uh, and going out for grub not long after this and if you see me on instagram i'm always kind of out eating because that's something that i value that's something i enjoy so don't base yourself worth on kind of that number on the scale over Christmas. Just think about how can I bring my best each and every single day without the detriment of having fun, but also my physical and, you know, how I look. Because I know if you woke up on kind of January the 1st and you pigged out from the 1st of December to the 31st, you're going to feel like shit you're not going to have a good drive to go and start your goals. And the whole new year, new me gets debunked pretty fucking quick if you're in that position. But yeah. if you've just set your expectations of, okay, maybe this month I am not going to worry about weight loss. I'm just going to worry about maintaining what I've got. I've got some extra fuel, so I'm going to push the training. I'm going to try and hunt down some new numbers coming into New Year's Eve. I know like I've set my clients a lot of goals of around the 28th to the 31st, we're going to test. Yeah. We're going to use the Christmas as a bit of a deload. We're going to have some good grub. We're going to fuel up and we're going to get after it. And I think if you can just push the training, manage your expectations about where you're going to be, understand it's not about being miles in front. It's about not getting pushed back in the tide and just enjoy it. But don't be a dick. You're yeah. going to have a much better time through December. And I think one thing that I say with all my clients is just eat like an adult. Because I know I'm someone that used to sit there. I've done like eating challenges before, and I come out like a whale. That's not that's not fun. It's not no. fun. Just like an adult. Exactly. What, what about you? I've seen I've seen you've been putting the post up. You've done a podcast on it. Um, anything that I should go take away to implement to my clients? Yeah, very very similar, mate. I think I've been kind of giving everyone the same advice in terms of 
let's just understand that there's a good chance after Christmas you might have put on a couple of pounds. Like you might have put on anything from one, four, five, whatever it is. You just need to make sure. And again, something I always say again is why, why, why do we want to stop training? Yeah, have a couple of days off, but let's let's continue to train. If we enjoy training, let's let's keep it going. And as you said, let's use that extra food as a little bit of fuel. Let's keep that in the back of our minds. Um, and just enjoy it. Don't feel don't feel guilty for having a couple of extra beers. Don't feel guilty for maybe having that one day where you you maybe know you've eaten a little bit too much. It's okay, but next day let's pop up and train. I'm not. I mean, I'm not telling anyone to train on Christmas Day. If you've got stuff on Boxing Day, fair enough. But that little gap in between 27th, 28th, 29th, why the hell not? Why are we not in the gym? Because I know for myself, it's something that I enjoy doing. It's something that makes me feel good. Um, and if I stop training for two weeks, then it's not necessarily going to, I'm not going to enjoy the Christmas break any better. I know that is coming from me. I know not everyone is in that mindset. For my clients, the main things have been like, let's keep training when we can. Let's use this food as fuel. Let's actually just enjoy it understand that if you've been working with me for three to six months we have put ourselves in a position whereas we are we're in a great position for December and probably a better position than we've maybe ever been in um and again I've heard a lot of clients kind of say to me like Ryan December I fall off a cliff every single year I get into January and I just chuck it and it takes me about another two months to to get going again and basically I've just said to them like this December we're not going to be going a million, million miles per hour, but we're going to keep going and we're going to wake up January 1st and we're going to be like, right, I feel I feel better than I've ever felt on January 1st. So that's my approach, mate. Yeah, and I think that's what everyone should take. And mate, if you've kind of been putting the work, you can relax a little bit. I think there's the people that get anxious because they haven't done the work. They just sat there like, oh. I think when you know you've done the work, you tend to not enjoy it. And I think one of the things for me is freedom. Like if you're putting in the work, you're doing the reps in the gym, in the kitchen, all that stuff when you need to, you've got that freedom to live back and, you know, just enjoy a little bit. 100% mate. Um, for yourself, in terms of just like personally and, and business, what's planned for the future, um, the near future, the long future, whatever you want to say? Uh, personally, mate, I think um, short term is just enjoy Christmas, enjoy a little bit of downtime. And then in the new year, mate, it's all about growing, scaling. Um, I want to help impact as many people as possible. And I think you can testify that it's that drive that we've got. So it's about getting some systems in place to make sure that, you know, everyone coming into Strength Solution has that kind of result that they want by the end of it. And they've got that platform to grow, succeed and push all other areas. Selfishly, um, I've got another little challenge lined up at some point um, when the rugby season finishes, um, the, the 666. So it's going to be a 600 pound back squat, 600 pound deadlift and a six minute mile um, all in the same day. So that's going to nice. be the thing. But then, yeah, just uh, push, get my rugby to a level where I'm happy um, and then just enjoy what I'm doing. Quality, mate. Quality. And you're, you're fully online just now as well, aren't you? Just moving. Yeah, just made move fully online in October. So it's kind of um, learn how to manage my time. It's probably on there as well. And just, uh, yeah, it's just, I did the, the online stuff for the impact, the freedom that I can get. Um, so it's just about learning how to use that because I think you can be a busy fool sometimes. And I know I've been, so it's just about learning my battles and uh, yeah, just just enjoying the process, mate. I think that's, that's the biggest part about it. Quality, quality. Um, and last couple of questions, mate. Always ask any podcast, books, series recommendations of late. 
So I was thinking about this one because you've probably got, you know, the the usual habits, uh, like atomic habits, um, all those things. But I was actually thinking if you're someone that is curious about training um, and getting a very easy to understand point of view, Ross Edgley's The Blueprint is a perfect book for that. I read that one not long ago and it just kind of sets the platform there. Um, Podcast wise, um, I've got a guy that local to me, uh, Sam Owen, he does a really good podcast called Bite Size Fitness, um, brings on um, like people coming in from all walks. He's got kind of the, the rehab, the strength side. So that's another good piece. But then the, the biggest one that I've been listening to at the minute for kind of general life advice is the high performance podcast. So I had to throw that one in there. But the first two are probably going to be some off the cuff answers that you may not have heard, but I thought I'd throw no, those out there. No, no, that's good, mate. Um, I think a lot of my clients will kind of like hear these kind of these complicated books and they're about like, mm, not sure, not sure that'll be to my taste. That'll maybe be a bit too heavy, but um, no, they, they'll be quality. And um, Ross Edgley's books are, are really good. He's a nut job as well. Um, yeah. Inspiration. Swimming the actual outside of the UK. That was a, that was a crazy one. Yeah. Um, not, not my bag just yet. <laughs> yeah. High performance podcast. I actually got VIP tickets for that for my, well, early Christmas present so going to that in Edinburgh um should be good um yeah I, I saw those I, I was looking for one in Cardiff but they're doing one in Birmingham so I may uh pick up a ticket if I get a chance but gotta see what the schedule's like because yeah I've I've only recently started to listen to them I think it was after you posted about it um and I was like oh there's there's some nuggets of knowledge here it's good yeah it's 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 quality mate um but no mate I appreciate you um giving me some time to come on the podcast and uh i said troy's was number 10 but yours is number 10 to finish the series off so we've got it we've got it right this time Man, troy i may be five foot ten but i finished this one off mate that's all i'm gonna say get <laughs> quality mate thank you um yeah appreciate that mate um i'm sure i'll catch up with you again soon and yeah cheers yeah, thank you very much for having me on mate it's been a pleasure and uh all the best with season two coming out now isn't it yeah, season two will come out uh, New Year, I think. Mate, all the best for it. And I uh, can't wait to see what you bring on. Thank you very much, mate. Top man.